You're listening to Rewire Your Work. I'm your host, Heather Love, and I'm a subconscious mindset coach, a spiritual and integrative life coach, and a certified hypnotist who is obsessed with learning about how the brain works, why we do what we do, how to rewire the subconscious mind, and creating new and fun ways to regulate the nervous system. You're in the right place if you're ready to change your perception of worthiness, find your self-confidence, overcome your fears, step into your truth, and fall madly in love with your life. Welcome to this magical adventure where I'll help you learn the tools you need to rewire your neural pathways and step into your power with radiance and courage. So grab your headphones, get comfy, and let's get started. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Rewire Your Worth. Today, we are going to talk about making decisions. On the surface level, this sounds super simple, right? You think about something, consider your options. The best one is obvious. So you pick that one and execute the actions to make that thing happen, right? Well, all of that sounds amazing in theory, but if you're a human being, you probably already know that it's not that easy and there are all kinds of factors that make making decisions a bit complicated. Why is that? Well, let's start with what's actually happening in your brain when you are making a decision. First of all, we make approximately 35,000 decisions every single day, which I don't have to tell you is a lot of decisions. And it's no wonder that you've probably heard of decision fatigue. It's an actual thing that basically means that because we are bombarded with making decisions all day long, both big and small, we are totally exhausted. Anything from what to wear, what to eat, where to eat, what project to start first, and then which part of that project and how to start it from what life insurance policy to choose to how much money you need in the bank for your kid's college and you get the point. It's all day long, every single day. And that's not even including the additional 35,000 thoughts you have every day that aren't decisions that are just thoughts. Your brain is very busy. I know most people don't sleep eight hours a night, but I do most of the time. So let's say you have 16 hours that you're awake that you're making decisions. So if you divide 35,000 decisions by the 16 hours that you're awake, that gives you 36 decisions that your brain is making every minute of every day that you're awake. That's roughly one decision for every second and a half. So if we could all just collectively cut ourselves and everyone else some slack for a moment when we realize how busy all of our brains are all the time, there is a lot going on. It's okay to feel like you absolutely cannot make another decision right now. There is nothing wrong with you. Your brain just needs a minute or two or 10 to not have to do all that. And that's normal. 
beating yourself up because you feel like you don't have all the answers isn't going to help. Sometimes you just need to say, okay, I need a brain break for a moment. So I'm going to take that moment and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Okay. Start there. We aren't going to make ourselves bad or wrong for feeling like we don't want to make another decision right now. Okay, next, we're making all these decisions, right? Without getting super sciencey, decisions are made in your prefrontal cortex, which is that conscious part of your brain where you are aware of what's going on. This is the part of your brain that understands consequences and cause and effect. So for instance, I know because of my prefrontal cortex that if I don't put gas in my car, that my car will run out of gas at some point and stop running. The prefrontal cortex also holds all executive functions like language, memory, emotions, and things you learned in school or at your job. Where this gets tricky, though, is that anything that would be considered automatic in your brain is part of your subconscious mind, meaning you aren't necessarily aware that that emotion or thought or the decision is happening because the neural pathways have been rooted so deeply in your brain that you basically aren't controlling it at this point. It's automatic and it's in an entirely different part of your brain from the one that's making conscious choices all day long. But it's important to understand that it's not black and white. It's not that one part of your brain is making all the decisions all day. There is another part of your brain that is also unconsciously making decisions and influencing your conscious mind. I hope this isn't too confusing, but the point I'm trying to make is that making decisions isn't as easy as the world would have you believe. There is a lot going on in our brains and so much of it is in direct conflict with each other. Think of dieting, for example. We all know we shouldn't eat a package of cookies if we're trying to lose weight, right? That knowledge lives in our prefrontal cortex. But when you're sad or mad or whatever, and you open the pantry and grab the cookies, that's generally coming from an unconscious place, which is a different place in your brain and isn't the same part that understands that eating cookies won't help us get to our weight loss goals. So this is a very long explanation of the brain, but I think it's important because People are so incredibly hard on themselves when they quote unquote fall off the wagon, but they don't understand that it's not as simple as just deciding to not eat the cookies. There is so much going on in the subconscious that goes far beyond just making a decision. Now, that's not to say that you have no control over the decisions or your actions and that you're just at the mercy of your subconscious mind, but I just want you to see that there's so much more happening so that the first thing you do isn't beat yourself up for doing something that your conscious mind is aware that if you do that thing, then you won't get the result you say you want. 
Okay, so we're going to move on, but that's such a fundamental piece to this that I wanted to take a few minutes to make sure I explained it in detail. Another thing that I see happening a lot is people asking others for advice slash input slash what the other person would do in that situation, etc. Full transparency here. This is actually a huge pet peeve of mine. Not because I don't think that people shouldn't ask others for their opinions, but more that I think people use this as a crutch. So in my opinion, there is a big difference between not knowing how to come up with the answer for something on my own. So I'm asking others for how they came to a decision versus someone who is looking for the easy way out or someone who's looking for someone else to make a decision for them. But that may not actually be the best decision. All of that to say, I'm fully aware that there are times when this comes in handy. For instance, if I'm hungry, but feel like I absolutely can't make a decision on where to eat because I either truly don't care or I've maxed out my decision-making for the day, then fine. I get that. I've been there too. I'm not talking about those situations. I'm more talking about things that you do actually have thoughts or opinions on, but you're asking other people because you are too afraid of making the wrong decision. So you make someone else responsible for that. To me, that's not cool. And that's something that is very often going to cause resentment or even just frustration down the line. But if you go back to what I was talking about before with the subconscious mind, the reason people do this has more to do with a lack of confidence or self-worth or even conditioning than them being lazy or just not wanting to make a decision. I used to work with a woman when I was in corporate and she literally would not make a decision on anything. She ate the same food every day. She had like the same few outfits she would wear every week. And none of that is bad. It's actually brilliant because you take the pressure off yourself for those decisions. But if she had a project to do, she would ask me my opinion about what to do or where to start or whatever. And I would tell her. And then she would go ask someone else and then someone else. And she literally spent all her time in research mode and then would constantly stress about if she was doing it correctly the entire time she was working on something. She asked more questions than anyone else on the team. And I will tell you that it used to really frustrate me. But as I've been learning more about the brain, I don't even think that this was something she knew she was doing, or at least not to the level that she was doing it. When it's this extreme, I can say with 100% confidence that what's going on is not in the prefrontal cortex. There is so much anxiety about being wrong or not having the answer or how it was going to make her look that it was actually paralyzing for her to make a decision. And if I had to guess, she probably hated the fact that she felt she wasn't worthy enough to make a decision on her own. And she probably told herself stories about what her indecision said about her. 
but because she was more worried about how she was going to be perceived by others, that is what was driving the bus. That is what made her be so indecisive. And to me, that's sad. We're all worthy of making a decision and having it be a quote unquote bad one or wrong one, learning from it and moving on and doing it differently next time. We get to allow ourselves and others the grace to make mistakes. I know that's not the reality in some places, especially corporate. Believe me, I know. But as human beings, none of us are perfect. I've said that a million times before. So it's important to create an environment where people feel safe and empowered to make decisions and not to be so quick to judge if that's not the same decision someone else would have made. If that's the environment you're stuck in, I would take a really hard look at that and see if that's the healthiest place for you to be. Next, I briefly want to talk about keeping promises to yourself and going back on your word. So this idea of keeping promises to myself is something that I've been really focusing on more for this year. And I think it's going to be a big theme for me in 2024. But the reason I bring this up in this episode is because what I found to be true for me is that I make a decision or i.e. a promise sometimes about something I'm going to do or change or start. Okay. For example, again, being fully transparent in September, I told myself that I was going to launch three paid masterclasses before the end of the year, one in October, one in November, and one in December. And now here we are sitting at the end of October and I haven't done anything with any of it. So essentially I've broken that promise and gone back on my word to myself on the decision I made. So me being who I am, now I'm curious, why did that happen? Because I don't know about you, but for me, This is not the first time that I've done this. I make decisions all the time and then I don't follow through. So what's going on? This probably won't surprise you, or at least it didn't surprise me, but the answer comes back to the subconscious mind. So the decision was made with the conscious mind in the prefrontal cortex to create and host these masterclasses, okay? But then what happened is the part of my brain that holds the automatic responses and emotions kicks in and I start to doubt myself and fear sets in. And there's all these thoughts about how nobody's going to buy and who am I to host these classes and all these other things related to self-worth that I'm not actively thinking about when I made the initial decision. And then the frustration comes in when I feel like I'm a failure for saying I'm going to do something and then not doing it and looking at it only from that black and white perspective. So what if we, and I'm talking about myself, but also you, because I know you have your own example that you could insert here. What if we gave it some color? What if we understood that there are layers to all of this. And just because we make a decision doesn't necessarily mean that the very next thing we do is execute the thing. Can that happen? 
Absolutely. I've done it before with many things. And I think that past experience is great to draw from when I'm feeling scared of moving forward for whatever reason. I've done lots of terrifying things in my life and none of them have killed me. And that data is also stored in your brain. But because of the negativity bias that we all carry back to things being automatic, we automatically think the worst case scenario first and it holds more weight in our brains. So what if we use our prefrontal cortex right now to understand that concept and know that our subconscious is going to try to keep us safe with thoughts and emotions that are familiar to it and also acknowledge that because we are now aware of it, that the subconscious doesn't get to be in charge when we're making these decisions. Just by making your conscious mind aware of what is going on in the subconscious mind, you are bringing it to the forefront and making it something that you personally have more control over for yourself. This piece right here is so important and will really make so much difference when trying to understand your own mind better. You can acknowledge what's happening and reassure yourself that you're not going to die with this decision. The last thing I want to cover in this episode, but it's probably something I'm going to talk about more in another episode at another time, but it's the idea of influence and persuasion when you are making a decision. This is more in the realm of behavioral science, but I have been going down this rabbit hole lately. And what it really comes down to is that your subconscious is more influenced by things than you probably realize. So when you think you're making a decision about anything, there are factors that play into that choice that you don't even know about. For instance, and this may not be true for every single person, but as a concept, if you go to the store and you're looking for a new facial cleanser, let's say, and you know you want to spend this certain dollar amount on this product, okay? So you're at the store and you're looking at the shelves and you narrow it down to two different ones and they have the same ingredients and they're the same price. And the only difference is that one cleanser has only two bottles left and the other cleanser is fully stocked with eight bottles on the shelf. Which one do you think you'll choose? Your brain will automatically tell you that the cleanser that there are less of is the better choice because there are less of them. So it must be in higher demand, which is because it's a better cleanser. Is any of that true? Who knows? They could have just gotten a new shipment of the one that has eight bottles and were sold out up until an hour ago. But your brain doesn't go through that rationale. It looks at the facts that it has in front of its face and makes a decision based on that. So that's one example. I could literally talk about this all day. So I'll just do one more. There is something called choice architecture. And what this is, is that the way that choices are presented actually influences the decision a person will make about them. One of the components of choice architecture is what is basically called the default setting, meaning that whatever is pre-selected for you 
is what you will choose 70% of the time. Think about maybe when you're making your health insurance selections for the next year, if that's something you do, or even these days, choosing the tip amount when you go to Starbucks. Or for me lately, when I go to Subway, it even has the feature where after you tap your card and enter your PIN, there's a pop-up with how much of a tip you want to leave. Your automatic response will be to leave that default alone as is. So whatever the system has for you is what you'll decide to go with. I know I did this all the time when I worked in corporate and I had to make my open enrollment selections for the next year's coverage rather than spending the time researching if there was a better option than what I already had, I always just kept everything the same as the previous year. At Subway, the default tip was a 15% tip. I just left that as it was. Your brain takes the path of least resistance, which in this case is doing nothing and letting the default be the decision. So when someone is trying to sell you something, they will pre-select what they actually want you to choose, knowing that you probably will not go through the process of changing it. So defaults are one part of choice architecture. There's other things like if you go to a cafeteria type setting and fruit is an option in the line before the dessert and the fruit is positioned in a way that makes it more visually appealing, you'll usually pick the fruit and skip the dessert. I mean, not me, because I like dessert and I don't like fruit, but for most people, they'll pick the fruit over the dessert. Or in other cases, for other things, if one choice appears more colorful or fun and the other one seems bland or boring, you'll pick the fun one. There's a lot to be said about us making decisions that we think we are making, but that there is actually a lot of psychology going on about the number of choices given, which order those choices are listed in, what visual cues are there, the words described for the choices, and the ease of the decision. So I just wanted to bring this up, number one, because it's fascinating, but also number two, it can play a huge role in the decision-making process. So it's just another thing to be aware of. And even though I've been studying behavioral science and am aware of how these tactics work, I will still pick the thing on the shelf that has less and look for the option that has more fun and is visually appealing and just do the default choice for things. All of that is to say that my brain is operating normally. And again, avoiding decision fatigue as much as possible. That's what I have for you today, my friends. I hope you found this helpful in understanding your brain a little better when it comes to making decisions or even indecision so that you can give yourself a little more grace when it feels like your brain just wants to take a break. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend so they can understand themselves and their brains a little bit better too. Until next time, I love you so much and remember that you're worthy of living the life of your dreams.